NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Flow Racing is the new home of NASCAR Roots Racing. Subscribe today and stream over 1,300 racing events live and on demand. See NASCAR legends, past, present, and future, battle it out in dirt late models, sprint cars, and more at your favorite tracks every week. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Not in the hunt for the playoffs, not in the hunt for the championship, but the checkered flag is all he needs right now. Off turn two for the final time. Bubba Wallace looking to become the Kansas Speedway spoiler. Here comes Bubba Wallace, final time off the end of the back straightaway. He'll take it to the wall as he works his way off the corner looking for the checkered flag. Bubba Wallace can see it now. He can virtually coast it in. Checkered flag is in the air, and Bubba Wallace wins the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool deal, you know. I appreciate that opportunity uh, for them believing in me and, and giving me this opportunity to race for a championship, race for race for something big, and and uh, just uh, a heck of a way to keep going. It was nice to beat Denny, too, so that was cool. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we're leaving Kansas. We're heading to Bristol in a very busy news day across NASCAR Nation. Of course, the biggest news story Kyle Busch going to Richard Childress Racing in 2023. We'll have more on that coming up as that announcement was made earlier today in the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Uptown Charlotte with both Kyle and Richard Childress in attendance. Chase Briscoe is going to join us on this week's show. He's on the outside looking in, heading into Bristol. We'll check in with Chase and, well, he's got a He's got a lot of work to do. Got a heavy workload coming up in the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol on Saturday. We'll take a glance at the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff picture. The regular season finale this Friday night under the lights there on the world's fastest half mile. We'll preview the final race in the round of 16 and the history of North Wilkesboro as the announcement's been made that the all-star race for the NASCAR Cup cars going to North Wilkesboro in 2023. But first, we bring in Kyle Rickey. And we begin with the breaking news story of the day about Kyle Busch and his 2023 plans. Kyle? Mike, the speculation became official today. 
as Kyle Busch announced that he would be moving to Richard Childress Racing for the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season to drive the team's number eight car after spending the last 15 years with Joe Gibbs Racing. Every option I considered had a lot of its own advantages, and that's why it made it to be such a challenge. That's why it took a while, but at the end of the day, one team and one owner emerged as the clear choice. The second I sat down with him, I knew that his company and his people and the culture around there had the ability to compete for championships from day one. So now for the moment you all couldn't wait for, I'm excited to announce that I'll be taking my talents to welcome North Carolina to drive the number eight car for Richard Childress Racing starting in 2023. Tyler Reddick, who currently drives the eight car for RCR and is a part of this year's playoffs, will remain with the team next season with more details forthcoming. Kyle Busch is also expected to announce in the coming weeks the future of Kyle Busch Motorsports team in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, which he believes will be under the Chevrolet banner beginning next year. And Petty GMS Racing announced today that Chad Norris will become the interim crew chief for the team's 42 car and driver Ty Dillon, beginning this weekend at the Bristol Motor Speedway. Norris is replacing first-year crew chief Jeremy Donnelly in that role. Petty GMS expects more changes to both of their teams for not only this weekend's race in Bristol, but for the remainder of the season as they prepare for 2023. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. We have finally received the announcement that we've all been waiting for where Kyle Busch will be driving in 2023. We'll expand more on that in a moment. And later, we'll visit with Chase Briscoe. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It was announced earlier today, Kyle Busch will be driving in 2023 for Richard Childress Racing. That Kyle Busch saga has been one of the biggest storylines in NASCAR the last few months. Silly season ramped up earlier this summer when Kyle's teammate Martin Truex Jr. announced that he would be returning to Joe Gibbs for one more season, but we didn't know about what was going to happen with Kyle. He was rumored to be going to colleague racing, to 2311 racing, and today it was announced he's going to Richard Childress Racing in a press conference at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Uptown Charlotte. Here it is. First of all, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for coming to the announcement of the announcement that's already been made. Obviously, I'm sure no one here has any idea of what's coming, but um, it's been one of the best-kept secrets here lately, so I hope you're all sitting down for this. On a serious note, this is probably one of the biggest days of my life, of my career, and I'm excited to tell you about my future. The last few months have been nothing but stressful, uh, I'll admit, and it's been 15 years since I've had to make a decision quite like this, but 15 years ago, it was just me. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a family, I didn't have a, a wife and a son and a daughter and a, and a race team around me that I had to worry about. Um, it was just what I needed to do. So this process took a lot longer than I expected to. Um, sure it did. You know, but this is one of the most important decisions of my life, um, and I definitely couldn't rush through it. 
I had to find a place where I knew I can go win races immediately. Um, collecting trophies is still the main reason why I get up every day and go to the racetrack in order to do this every week. Uh, also needed a place where I felt like I could hit reset and uh, I could be welcomed just as I am. One team and one owner emerged as the clear choice. The second I sat down with him, I knew that his company and his people and the culture around there had the ability to compete for championships from day one. So now for the moment you all couldn't wait for, I'm excited to announce that I'll be taking my talents to welcome North Carolina to drive the number eight car for Richard Childress Racing starting in 2023. I'd like to introduce you to my new boss, Richard Childress. Well, you know, Kyle, the other week when we signed our contract, there was something I forgot to give you, was your signing bonus. So I got to give you your signing bonus. Will you hold my watch? Absolutely. How's that? All right. That's Fantastic. all we're going to talk about that. That's there history. Woo. That's all anybody nice wants to talk about. It's yeah. a nice one to hold on to. And, and since we're doing, uh, we've got a few people coming in. Since we're doing announcements today, I got one more I would like to do if you don't mind. You know. Sure. Samantha, could you and Braxton come over, please? Now, I know how families work because I've got a uh, daughter, I've got a grandmother that looks after contracts, so I'm sure you look after <clears throat> Braxton's contracts. So here is a contract for an option to drive for RCR in the future. How about that? You know, um, I look back and when this thing, when Tyler explained to me that he was not gonna be back in 24, my grandson, Austin Dillon, he's here today, driver number three. He came to me, he said, Pop Pop, what do you think about putting Kyle Bush in that car? And I said, man, I'd, that'd be a dream. I said, uh, can you line up a meeting where I could talk to him? So, well, I think it started earlier this year when we were racing at the Coliseum when the eight car blew my doors off and was driving away. Uh, I certainly knew right then and there at the beginning of the season that those guys definitely had some speed and um, just seeing their overall um, culture of being around Richard, talking with Austin, and having that chance to, to just look at the whole picture of what's going on with, with RCR as of late. And I felt like it was a no-brainer when, when Richard and I sat down and we first had discussions of this opportunity. Um, it was easy, you know, it was um, a, a clear-cut choice, as I mentioned before, to, that this was a place that you could go win races when, and win championships right out of the gate. Two championships in the Cup Division, over 200 races in NASCAR, his credentials speaks well for himself. But when I was up there with Kyle and we first started talking and we talked about championships and we talked about winning races, I looked at him in his eye and I seen that look in Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s eye that he's hungry, we're gonna win. I'd seen that look before and Watching Kyle, I've, I've watched his talent for many years since he started in the Bush series. And just how he handles the car, the car control, the way he drives the car, and take no prisoner attitude, that's the Dale Earnhardt style that I was accustomed to racing with. And I think Kyle has that modern day style of racing that Dale Earnhardt had in his time. Your reaction to being compared to Dale Earnhardt Sr. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly it's flattering. Uh, it's, it's happened a lot over the years, but to, to hear it from RC, you know, obviously he was the closest to him, and RC being a, a racer himself and being in the driver's seat and putting on a helmet himself over the years knows what it's like to get behind the wheel and to be in the elements of what it is to, to have success or to go out there and, and achieve success. So um, it's flattering. It's a, it's a great honor. Um, Dale Earnhardt, though, is Dale Earnhardt, and uh, there's only one of those, and um, there's probably only one Kyle Busch as it's going to be hard to figure out somebody else that's as close to this one as as I am. But um, obviously, it's it's a huge accolade, and I look forward to continuing that winning tradition of RCR and um, allowing myself to, to go up there and, and bring some more championships to that organization that, that already has a storied legacy. Breaking news indeed. Kyle Busch back to Chevrolet and on to welcome North Carolina. Coming up, my conversation with Chase Briscoe and later... We'll take a look at the final race of the NASCAR Cup Series round of 16. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The first cutoff race of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series takes place this Saturday in Bristol. Currently, Chase Briscoe sits below the cut line in 15th, nine points below the 12th and final cutoff position. I had a chance to catch up with Chase at NASCAR Media Day, looking ahead to this exact weekend and the road ahead for Chase. We're going back to Bristol, uh, this time on concrete. What yep. is the personality of concrete Bristol instead of dirt Bristol? Well, it's definitely different. Just how it races, you know, the the speed. I mean, everything's just different, right? Like, there's going to be a lot more guys that can win the race, I think, at the concrete race than, than there were at the dirt race. And I feel like as, like as a driver, your advantage is a lot bigger on the dirt. Like, the concrete, everybody's going to be way tighter time-wise, all those things. Um, and it's going to be harder to pass. And the intensity is going to be way higher because of the playoffs. So, I don't know. I, I'm excited to go there because I, I enjoy going to Bristol, even on the concrete. Um, but I think it's a huge question mark for what the next-gen car is going to be like there. That car has not experienced anything like that place. I mean, Dover, you could say, is close. But I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a huge test for the car. But also, physically, for the drivers, Bristol is going to be probably the hardest race of the year. How are you able to process things that happen at Bristol? They happen so fast, and you're doing, like, 15-second laps. I think, for me, uh, you know, racing as much dirt as I had this year and growing up racing sprint cars, you know, you go to a quarter-mile track in a sprint car. I mean, my home track, Bloomington, uh, in a wing sprint car in a quarter-mile, the track record's 8.8 seconds. So, like you got to process things really, really quickly. Um, and just running sprint cars, you know, this year as much as I have, yeah, like mile per hour you're going slower, but it feels like everything is way faster. So I think just for me, you know, getting my brain used to that, and, and that helps, I think, a lot whenever you go to places like Bristol where, you know, if you grew up, if I grew up pavement late mile racing, for example, Bristol would probably be the fastest feeling thing I've ever experienced where, for me, 
it honestly kind of feels slow because the dirt stuff feels so much faster at the borings and stuff we run. So I think that helps a lot. When you were there last, you sent her on in there on the oh, final lap. Yeah, sent it too hard. <laughs> Have you thought about that last lap and reprocessed that? Uh, yes and no. I mean, a little bit. You know, when I made the move, I still thought at the time before I knew what the outcome was going to be. I thought that was the right move to make. Um, you know, just racing dirt my entire life. Like, whenever you have a run on somebody, like, you had the momentum, like, you try to slide them. Like, that's what you do. And I think that's what kind of helped me in that situation is that it was with Tyler, who also dirt raced his entire career. Like, he even told me right after, I was going to do the same thing to you. Like, that's just what you do on dirt. So, I think for me, I haven't tried to think about it too much because I felt like at the time it was the right move. And honestly, where we were at in the playoffs at that point, like we already won a race, like running second really doesn't do anything for us. Like we were only there to win the race uh, and try to get five bonus points. And I mean, like I'm a fan of the sport, right? Like I, I still can't believe personally I'm in the cup series. So when you're battling for a win, like you're excited, like you're amped up, your adrenaline's pumping. And I thought I was going to win a cup race and I overstepped my, my, boundaries i guess a little bit like i tried too hard and it, and it cost me but um yeah i don't know I, I haven't tried to think about that one too much you know the coke 600 one still bothers me a lot just How because so? uh, just because i just spun out like i wasn't even trying to the sliding like i just legit spun out um and i still don't know how i spun out like i was driving into the corner i know better than him and i i think i just got too far up beside him and just took the air off and i think the coke 600 one just stings because like, that's a crown jewel. I remember, like, 30 laps ago, 20 laps ago, 10 laps ago, I'm like, I'm going to win the Coke 600. Like, I knew I was better than him at that point. Um, and with five, four or five to go, like, I, I slid him and cleared him, and I didn't take it. Like, I left him a lane, and I could have won the Coke 600. So that one still bothers me, but the Bristol one, I kind of, like, it is what it is. I don't really consider it the same thing. As race car drivers, it's funny, you know, if you, you're talking about, you, you gave us an insight into your mind about what you're thinking about going back. Well, I could have done this, could have done that. How much after the fact do you go back and not necessarily kick yourself, but reprocess and say, you know, if I'd have done this, if I'd have done that, we might be singing a different tune right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to, to use those you know situations as learning situations, right, like for the future. And typically, I don't, like when we leave the racetrack, I forget about it. Like I'm not even worried about it. Um, whether it was a good day, bad day, whatever. But for whatever reason, that Coke 600, like, it still bothers me, I think. Just because it'd be like if I had a chance to win the Daytona 500 and I threw it away, like, coming to the checker. Like, you just, it's a crown jewel race, and I felt like it was something I did that threw the race away. So that one kind of bothers me. But I think, you know, come the playoffs, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that Bristol race and the Charlotte race where if we're not in a must-win situation, like, it's okay to run second right there. Um, like, especially the Bristol situation. The Coke 600 one, I feel like, was different because I just flat spun out. Like, I wasn't even trying to slide him. Where at Bristol, the risk was not – like, the risk was way higher than the reward, right? Where if that was the playoffs, finishing second versus 23rd could be the difference in me making the next round of the playoffs. Where, you know, I think you have to try to take those situations and learn for them come playoff time. And that's where I feel like – learning that risk reward throughout the regular season will hopefully help me in the playoffs you mentioned a few moments ago when you leave the racetrack you know you leave the track behind you leave things at the track behind you have a family to go home yeah. to now as opposed <clears throat> to when you were a bachelor how is that different how has that made you different i think for sure i mean i feel like personally i've always done a good job of like after the race like you can't change it right there's nothing i can do to go change the results so i felt like i always 
was good about leaving it there. Um, but now with a child, it definitely, like, I look forward to just coming home and, like, he doesn't know if I finished dead last upside down on fire or if I won the race. Like, he's just excited to see me. <clears throat> so I think that part has made it way better and just given me more of, like, a balance, right? Like, before it was 100% racing, where not that racing still doesn't matter, but there's bigger things in life than just driving the race car and where we finish on Sunday. Um, and I think that's helped me just personally be in a better mood like throughout the season because I just yeah like it is what it is like I'm I'm a dad first and a race car driver second right so I think that part of it's made it a lot better for me. Considering the challenges that you and Marissa had is it now more fulfilling to have that family to have that child to embrace life? Yeah I think so I, I mean I think anybody it's special right but like there was a point where we didn't know if we were ever going to have a child and, and to go through the you know tribulations and, and the trials that we did to now have him like you, I mean, I think regardless, you like appreciate your son or daughter. Right. But for, for me and her, especially like, like he's just a blessing in general. So like in our eyes, he's perfect. Right. So it, uh, it definitely, I think changes some things. Coming up, we'll look at the Cup Series playoff cutoff race at Bristol. And later, the NASCAR Xfinity Series will close out its regular season this weekend at Bristol as well. This episode is brought to you by AT&T Fiber. And in honor of their straightforward pricing, we're going to have a straightforward moment, just you and me. Be honest. When you're listening to ads like this one right here, you don't just sit there, ears glued and waiting to make a note of interesting offers, do you? Of course not. You're checking out your fantasy stats or catching up on the scores or doing any number of other things you want to do. I get it. I'm not fully paying attention to this ad either. I've got the game playing in a little window on my laptop as I read this. It's called multitasking. And now that we're being straightforward with each other, here's something else that can be totally straightforward. Your internet. No, seriously. Because when you become a gagillionaire with AT&T Fiber, you don't just get super fast internet speeds. You get a bill that's straightforward all the way. Equipment fees, price increase at 12 months, not a thing here. Everything is straightforward the way it should be. And that's it. You can go ahead and check on your fantasy team now. Straightforward is better. No equipment fees, no data caps, no price increase at 12 months. Live like a gagillionaire with AT&T Fiber. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. One race remains in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff round of 16. Four drivers will be eliminated this weekend as the playoff field will be whittled down to the round of 12. But this final race in this round will take place on the world's fastest half mile. Our Kyle Ricky is here to take us through the night that could be in Bristol. After another race full of playoff drivers having trouble and a non-playoff driver in Bubba Wallace scoring a surprise win, the NASCAR Cup Series now heads to the Bristol Motor Speedway for race three of the 10-race playoffs. After Saturday night's race, four drivers will be no longer in the running for the championship. The night race at Bristol is always filled with calamity, as evidenced by last year's incidents involving Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. This year, Harvick heads to Bristol in a virtual must-win after not finishing last week at Kansas. With the new race car being on Bristol's concrete surface for the first time, Harvick is hoping his team's simulator data 
translates when he gets onto the racetrack. Well, the good news about Bristol is it won't be completely, the track won't be completely unrubbered when, when we get there. There's a lot of racing that, that happens before that. Yeah, you know, I think as, as we've gone through the year with this particular car, we realize that there are just a number of unknowns that, that come with the car and things that you don't think about unless you race. And, and you know, the characteristics of the car and the tire that they bring and what you're going to fight and, and, you know, having such a short amount of time to, to practice at Bristol with all the known characteristics that you've had in the past might be different, might be the same, might be worse, might be better. You know, there's just really no rhyme or reason to things that have that have happened this year you just have to be really open-minded to adjust and adapt quickly to to whatever whatever happens that usually happens after qualifying so uh you're you're still limited on the things that you can do but you know i think for for us hopefully hopefully our tire models close hopefully the the test that the tire test you know information that we have and the simulator models and things that we have for tires and, and grip levels and things like that work out well if not could be a long night One driver who Harvick could knock out on Saturday night is Daniel Suarez. Suarez has rebounded from pit road trouble at both Darlington and Kansas and finds himself six points to the good heading into Saturday. And he is looking forward to the challenge that Bristol presents. The only racetrack that we have been that is similar to Bristol, but not the same by any means, is Dover. Um, Nobody really knows what to expect in Bristol. It's a... it's, it's a racetrack that it just is it's by itself, you know, it's completely different than everything else. And it's a tough place. And with 20 minutes of practice, if you miss it during the week, you're going to have a long weekend, a long 500 laps. <laughs> so um, I love Bristol. It's actually one of my favorite racetracks. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to a challenge. Another driver that finds himself in a perilous points position is Tyler Reddick. Reddick had a great run going this past weekend before his day ended early after a blown tire while leading. Reddick has just a two-point advantage over Kyle Busch for the final spot in the round of 12, but surprisingly, he isn't expecting much chaos at the world's fastest half mile. I'll be honest, I'm I'm not expecting anything crazy there. I really don't. I've seen just the trend of how this car has been on, on the short tracks. You know, Martinsville, Richmond, you know, there's a lot of grip. You know, we don't really uh, have to pedal the car at all. We were actually working on Bristol a little bit today. And at first I was surprised, like, wow, this has got a lot of grip. You know, it feels like you're out of the gas about as much as you would be on a mile and a half. Then I realized, you just start connecting the dots. You know, we went to Richmond, and Richmond was was a certain way. Martinsville was, too. I really don't know. I think the speed's going to be high enough there where I just just don't think someone's going to be able to move someone out of the way like that without, you know, going to the extent that, that... that we saw, you know, for example, Joey Logano do to, you know, William Byron earlier in the year at Darlington. You're pretty much going to have to go in there and hope that you hit the guy because if you don't, you're going to just go flying up in a long crash. So I, I don't know if it'll be a – it could be chaotic. I don't know. You know, it's it's a type of place where things stack up. You could have some action, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a type of race where people are going to be moving each other out of the way because I just don't think you're going to be able to get there. Reddick's future team owner, Denny Hamlin, is in an entirely different points position. It would take an absolute disaster for the Virginia driver's 47-point cushion to be a race this weekend. Hamlin says drivers in his position can breathe fairly easy entering the race, but for drivers like Reddick and Bush, not so much. Uh, it really depends on your situation. I think that there's probably going to be seven or eight guys that are on edge going to Bristol for a cutoff race. There's going to be probably four or five going to feel pretty good about it. Won't let it really concern them and how they drive. 
and then you got the rest of the field who's out of the playoffs anyway. So it's only really a small portion of the field that I think is going to be um, worried about the result or not, you know, making sure that they're not making mistakes on a, on a track like that. Ryan Blaney finds himself in a similar situation to Hamlin where he just needs to avoid disaster to advance. With all the unknowns that this race can present, Blaney hopes that he'll be able to sit back and just watch the drama that is sure to unfold. The unknowns of, uh, of Bristol, you know, going there for the first time with uh, the concrete track, it's, you know, you don't know what to expect. It's just one of those things where you just kind of see where the flow of the race is going and you understand what the Bristol night race is like, you know, but you don't ever know how this car is kind of going to react to it. So, yeah, on that other side, the, you know, I don't, I don't think I've pissed off too many guys this year, so I hope I'm in a good spot on that side of it. But as far as everyone else goes, I hope I just sit back and watch it. I don't know what will happen. With two drivers outside of the playoffs winning the first two races of the round, only one driver has secured their spot in the round of 12. And that driver is Christopher Bell. Bell is also one of the few drivers who has laps on Bristol's concrete in the next-gen race car. He hopes that gives him an advantage as he looks to secure more playoff points heading into the next round. Yeah, so Bristol is actually the first place that I ever drove a next-gen car. So did that last year, and uh, so hopefully that will give me a little bit of home field advantage because I got some laps there. It, you know, it's always going to be a, a great race whenever you go to Bristol. Lap traffic will always be a factor. They've been doing a really good job getting the PJ1 where you have the top and the bottom that are both usable to pass cars. So uh, it's always one of the best races of the year and definitely um, one of my favorites. Around 11 p.m. on Saturday, we will know the other 11 drivers that will join Bell in advancing on in the playoffs and who the four will be that will have to wait until next season for another shot at the title. Can Harvick pull off a Hail Mary and keep his hopes alive? Will Kyle Busch avoid elimination? Or could another driver play playoff spoiler? The only thing that is for sure is that the Bass Pro Shops night race is sure to be full of pressure, drama, and intrigue. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs are a week away. We'll take a closer look at the playoff picture as the regular season comes to a close this weekend and later. We'll take a look at the history of North Wilkesboro Speedway. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Cup Series and Camping World Truck Series playoffs have been in full force for a few weeks now. With the regular season finale coming up for the NASCAR Xfinity Series coming up this weekend, we thought we'd take a look at things and see where things are and assess the situation in what will be the regular season finale at Bristol and the implications to the bubble spot in this race this weekend. The NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season comes to a close Friday night at Bristol, where both a regular season championship and the final playoff spots in the field of 12 are on the line in Thunder Valley. 
starting with the playoff picture. Two spots now remain after Sam Mayer and Riley Herbst clinched their playoff spots on points following last weekend's race at Kansas Speedway. As of right now, reigning series champion Daniel Hemrick and Landon Castle sit in the final two spots above the cut line. For Sheldon Creed and Ryan Sieg, they are the only two drivers below the cut line that can still earn their way in on points. Ryan C. currently holds a 13-point cushion over Sheldon Creed, but Sieg is also 19 points behind Landon Castle, who is in the final playoff position. Sheldon Creed came close to securing his playoff spot by finishing second two weeks ago at Darlington Raceway. I just racing my butt off there. We got into each other in one and two. Uh, Cut the right front down, and, and I didn't really didn't know what my options were there going into three, so uh, I decided just to pancake it in the fence, and it worked. It worked for a while, but uh, I just couldn't get off the wall, and I think that's what cost us the win. But nonetheless, cars are getting better. I'm getting better, and uh, yeah, just just happy to have a run like that. Sheldon Creed will need another good run at Bristol to knock out either Daniel Hemrick or Landon Castle. As for everyone else, they'll need to win. The likes of Brandon Brown, Anthony Alfredo, and others will have to go to victory lane at Bristol if they want any part of the playoffs in 2022. Timmy Hill up to the four spot. Here's Almendinger to the inside of Brandon Brown for second. He'll move into that position and now pull up alongside Jeremy Clemens to take the race lead as they head to the front. Clemens gets the side draft and they're wrecking behind them. One car slides wildly down to the inside lane. That's Riley Herbst. White flag is in the air. Leader takes the white flag. Next flag ends it. Now the caution flag is out. Jeremy Clements across the line as the race leader. We will wait for NASA. Car. Jeremy Clements woke up on Tuesday morning thinking he would also be a driver in need of a win to make the playoffs. Last month, Clements thought he had his playoff spot secured with a win at Daytona. But following post-race inspection, Clements and his team were penalized, nullifying their playoff qualification. Clements and his team, though, appealed the penalty and found out just in time on Tuesday afternoon that they will indeed be part of the playoff 12. The news of the Clements appeal Tuesday afternoon affects drivers like Ryan Sieg, who was above the cut line prior to the penalty being overturned and is now on the outside looking in, heading to Thunder Valley. Ty Gibbs looking to go to victory lane in the Irish Hills. Dominating the final stage and now going to victory lane. Off four, headed to the stripe. Checkered flag is in the air and Ty Gibbs has won at the Michigan International Speedway. Scoring the win in the New Holland 250. Ty Gibbs win number five on the season already. The drama Friday night won't be limited to the playoff hunt, as a regular season championship still remains to be decided. A.J. Allmendinger currently sits in the Catbird seat 38 points above Ty Gibbs. Despite holding the points lead, however, Allmendinger is looking for more consistency heading into the regular season finale and the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think as a whole we, we don't, we're not as competitive each weekend as, as we want to be, and, and when we say that, we want to be contending for wins, and uh, we're not doing that consistently, but what I'm also proud of is everybody on the 16 team is we maximize every every day, and unfortunately, today's going to be another one of those stories where we got to go out there and whether it's a 10th place finish, a 5th place finish, or a 15th place finish, maximize everything we can get, and that's what we've done, and we've let other people make mistakes around us, and uh, that's why we have the points lead, but we know going in the playoffs, we, we need to be better.
Leaning on each other. Here comes Noah Gregson. They are three wide. Larson has to bail out. Gregson now will dive to the bottom of the racetrack. Green is in the wall. So is Larson. So is Gregson out of turn four. All of them bouncing off the wall. Who's going to get their car back to the line? Checkered flag is out. And Noah Gregson wins at Darlington Raceway. While he's out of the regular season championship hunt, Noah Gregson is entering the playoffs with a ton of momentum. Following back-to-back wins at Darlington Raceway and Kansas Speed. Way. Gregson is hoping to feed off of that momentum in his final quest for a championship in the Xfinity Series before heading to the Cup Series next year in 2023. Yeah, that's definitely the, the goal is to make it to Phoenix in the final four. And it's a challenge to make it to Phoenix. And right now, the top of our minds is playoff points, stage wins, race wins, and um, getting a stage two win and, and eventually the race win. Those are those are really big. Um the way the schedule is, um, we're really excited to, to see what we can do at these racetracks. Um, but ultimately, everyone's fired up. We're working on all cylinders and just really confident right now. It's been a long wait, but the Xfinity Series playoffs are right around the corner. Who will be crowned regular season champion and which drivers will fill the final playoff spots? Those are questions we'll all find out together Friday night under the lights at the Bristol Motor Speedway. That's Tim Kettlefamo. Thank you, Tim. Coming up, the storied history of North Wilkesboro Speedway. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Last week, NASCAR announced that the All-Star Race will be headed to the North Wilkesboro Speedway, and that return comes during NASCAR's 75th anniversary season and marks the first cup event at that track since September 29th, 1996. Our Susie Armstrong is here to help us tell the story of this famed racetrack. It's a day of mixed emotions for the thousands of NASCAR racing fans gathered at North Wilkesboro Speedway in Western North Carolina. A day of excitement watching NASCAR Winston Cup Series short track racing, tempered by the knowledge that at day's end we say goodbye to an old friend. Hello and welcome to Motor Racing. 1996, the last time NASCAR fielded cars at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Over the years, the tight half mile remained a favorite with fans, and the desire to see racing return started a movement. With the announcement that NASCAR will host the 2023 All-Star Race at the legendary track, the 26-year hiatus will come to an end next season. The Speedway represents something more than the roots of racing. Its history is steeped in North Carolina culture and tells the tale of its people. Before Bill France Sr. founded NASCAR in 1947, Wilkes County and the surrounding areas were known as the moonshine capital of America. During the Great Depression, moonshiners ran from the law and hopped up hot rods, many of whom became NASCAR's greatest drivers. NASCAR Hall of Famer Benny Parsons once stated, Trust me, there was nothing to do in the mountains of North Carolina back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. You either worked at a hosiery mill, a furniture factory, or you ran whiskey. In 1945, Enoch Staley was inspired by Bill France Sr.'s successful stock car race promotions. So Staley purchased farmland near North Wilkesboro and planned to build an oval. Even though financial complications compelled him to make changes to the original design, he completed the project in 1946 with a downhill front stretch and an uphill back stretch, and the imperfect dirt oval was born. 
Partnered with Bill France Sr. as the official promoter, North Wilkesboro Speedway welcomed race fans through the gates on May 18, 1947. Within two years, the dirt oval was a regular on the NASCAR circuit. In keeping with a growing trend, Staley paved the 5-8 mile circuit in 1957. Over the years, many of NASCAR's greatest won at Wilkesboro, including Red Byron, Lee Petty, the Flock Brothers, Fireball Roberts, Curtis Turner, Buck Baker, Herschel McGriff, and Junior Johnson. Darrell Waltrip as he takes the Pepsi Challenger out down into turn number one. Earnhardt just trying to hang on to that second spot. He knows there's absolutely no way to catch him, but Bobby Allison taps him going off the number two corner. The old chrome horn. Allison is still in behind Earnhardt. In single file, they've got race traffic. Bobby looks to the high side in turn number three. It's the battle for second place. Here comes Allison on the outside. Waltrip will take the checkered flag as Bobby gets way up in the high groove. Can't get the job done as Earnhardt gets the second White spot. flag for Davey as he works back to turn number one. West Wallace has about three quarters of a lap to see what he can do with the leader, Davey Allison. This time, Davey blocks off an inside lane, so Rusty can't make the move to the inside of the racetrack. Nose to tail at the end of the back straightaway. Rusty right as well as Bumper looking to the inside for a chance to get by. Wallace looks to the inside, but Davey Allison has the momentum and the lead and the win in the first Union 400. In the early 1990s, NASCAR's explosive growth left the aging North Wilkesboro in the dust, so to speak. Following Enoch Saley's passing in 1995, the late Bruton Smith purchased 50% of the Speedway. One year later, the Staley family sold the remaining 50% to New Hampshire Motor Speedway owner Bob Bear. Smith and Bear subsequently moved Wilkesboro's two NASCAR Cup Series dates to New Hampshire Motor Speedway and the new Texas Motor Speedway. White flag for Jeff Gordon as he rolls off into turn number one on his way to victory lane for win number 10 in 1996. Let's follow him around. Plenty of breathing room for Jeff Gordon here as he comes back around to chalk up his 10th win of the year. Again, he falls in behind Darrell Waltrip, looks back a second behind him, the second place card of Dale Earnhardt. For his fourth win in the last five races and for the final checkered flag at the North Wilkesboro Speedway at a NASCAR Winston Cup race, Jeff Gordon wins the Tyson Holly Farms 400 one second over Dale Earnhardt. Over the years since Jeff Gordon won that final race at North Wilkesboro, many interested parties have made countless attempts to revive the track, but none were successful until Dale Earnhardt Jr. took the wheel. With a deep-rooted love for the history of NASCAR, Dale Jr. put his best efforts into revitalizing the storied track. In December of 2019, workers cleared the track of weeds and debris to make the surface scannable for the iRacing simulator. By June 2020, North Wilkesboro was ready to race on the virtual platform. In November 2021, North Carolina Governor Ray Cooper signed $40 million into the state budget for three facilities, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Rockingham Speedway, and North Wilkesboro. Speedway Motorsports CEO Marcus Smith subsequently announced that a portion of the funds would go towards modernization of historic North Wilkesboro Speedway so the track could host racing once again. With NASCAR's return to North Wilkesboro during the sport's 75th anniversary celebrations, the deep-rooted history between the two will continue for generations to come. Barney, some final thoughts. Uh, we wrap up today here at North Wilkesboro, and uh, this will be the final time, as best we can tell anyway, without having a uh, 
glass ball to uh, look into the future with uh, the final time the Winston Cup cars compete at this speedway. Well, I, as we said when we first came on the air, I have a lot of good memories up here. I think most of the people do, and the, everybody we've talked to this weekend, and nobody's really sure what's going to happen at North Wilkesboro. As that old Bob Hope song, theme song went, I think if I had it right now, I'd play it. Thanks for the memories. Before we head for the exits on this week's show, we're going to take you back to some fun times we had with some NASCAR Cup Series playoff drivers regarding school lunch. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. School is back in session coast to coast, and with that being the case, we thought it would be fun to ask a few of the NASCAR Cup Series playoff drivers at Media Day what some of their favorite school lunch and snack items were when they were growing up. The final time for Alex Bowman up in turn number one. Favorite snack or go-to item at school in the lunch line. I'm going with chocolate milk. Big chocolate milk fan. And here comes Christopher Bell at a turn 14. My favorite lunches were uh, in elementary school. My mom would sneak in Chick-fil-A sometimes and bring me Chick-fil-A. And that was like, I was, I had all the buddies whenever I had Chick-fil-A. So that's. Um, that was definitely my favorite lunch growing up. Up front, here comes Kyle Busch. Uh, favorite school snack or lunch growing up? I would say can't beat pickles. Pickles is number one. But I'll also throw in a uh, bologna sandwich with pickles. Checkered flag in the air, and Kyle Larson wins the Wise Power 400. Favorite school snack? I, I don't really remember. <sighs> Gosh, I don't remember what I ate at school. Now that Owen's in school, I know, like... When I walked through the grocery, I noticed the like the pizza Lunchables. So maybe I had, I probably, I know I had that sometimes as a kid. I don't remember if that was like my favorite, but I remember you having a little Lunchable packs um, as a kid. Austin Sendrick leads into turn three for the final time. My go-to snack that was the envy of all of my friends in elementary school would be chocolate milk and Frosted Flakes. Get Frosted Flakes and put chocolate milk in it. Highly recommend. Austin Dillon wins. Favorite school snack. I mean, I remember having a lot of Lunchables growing up. Um, rolling with some Lunchables, orange juice every day. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to be OJ and Lunchables. Chase Briscoe, who leads into turn three. Those little square pizzas on, on lunch day were, I mean, they were bomb, right? Like, they, the something about them. I mean, they were probably terrible now. You go back and eat them. But when you're a kid, I mean, when you got that square pizza on that dish, there's something about it. It was special. It is old Denny Hamlin at the Richmond Raceway. Gosh, I don't know the name of them, but they were chocolate bars and they had the peanut butter in the middle of them. Nutty Buddy, maybe? Yeah, I, I forget the name of them, but it's what I live for, ultimately. Steaming to the line, Ross Chastain will win. School lunch was actually whatever they cooked because, and I'm being honest here, it was probably better than my mom made, and I'm, I love her, but... It's just a thing. And favorite snack would have been a Swiss cake roll. Blaney will get through with the lead. I liked, uh, we had Taco Tuesdays at my at my high school. Uh, so that was always good. Little quesadillas, taco action, even a burrito if you were lucky. Uh, I always look forward to Tuesdays. Tyler Reddick about to complete a dream run in Wisconsin. Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> yeah, Sloppy Joe's. They, they were great. Kevin Harvick across the line. When I went to school, you, you ate as much junk food as you could possibly get your hands on. So, you know, I think for, for us, um, I guess when I was in high school, you know, we had the little, little snack bar. And, of course, we ate candy bars and all the things that we shouldn't eat during the day. And 
unless there, unless it was wrestling season, then wrestling coach was on campus and knew when the breaks were, so you didn't go to the snack bar. You usually got gum and water um, because you were cutting weight. So you, because you knew coach was either looking out the window or somewhere somewhere right behind you in the quad, waiting to see what you walked off with from the from the snack bar. So, uh, but yeah, it's much different now. Um, you know, with the, with the kids at home and. and yeah, their snacks are way healthier, thanks to mom. Chase Elliott rockets up out of turn number four. I felt like any time you got Chick-fil-A, you know, like any time you had Chick-fil-A, like breakfast or something, you know, sometimes they have like, uh, you know, on, on your way in, you can stop in. I mean, that to me was always a treat. Um, I don't remember really anything being like super good. Uh, that Nothing that I remember, at least. It wasn't good enough for it to stand out now. How about that? Checkered flag in the air. Joey Logano wins. I was homeschooled. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't tell you. <laughs> whatever, whatever mom had in the pantry, you know? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the importance of a well-stocked pantry. Folks, that's all we have time for for this week. We'd like to thank Chase Briscoe for making time for us and all of the cup drivers that answered that school lunch and snack dilemma. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you so much for being with us. We'll chat with you on NASCAR Live wide open on Thursday, and of course, right here on NASCAR Live next Tuesday. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com.